And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday, live Saturday night reaction edition. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by David Ubbin. I'm in a hotel room because somebody vandalized the AT&T broadband thing on our street. And I am in a hotel, even though I'm not covering a game. But it feels good. It's a Marriott. I'm getting some points. And and here I am. Dave, we just had another Saturday where everybody won. But it doesn't mean it's not an interesting Saturday. We've got um, a major injury with Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. Um, the Corvallis showdown between Washington and Oregon State we're going to get to. Um, it's officially Ohio State Michigan week. We have some playoff discussion to discuss. We have all sorts of stuff, um, even though there wasn't any major upsets, which has kind of been the theme of the season, really. Um, how are you doing tonight? And I can't wait to get into the show. I am doing good. Uh, Ari, congrats on getting some points. You know who else was getting some points tonight? Washington. They and are. I told y'all they'll be fine. Handling, not only handling Oregon State, handling them in the rain, doing quite well. Um, had a better night than uh, another uh, playoff contender, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Yeah, why don't we just start off with the, I think, biggest story of Saturday, which is mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Travis's gruesome injury. Um, I'm not one of these people who likes to see that stuff on TV, and if you watched it a ton, that's you got to maybe talk to somebody about that. But uh, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. You know, Florida State beat – yeah. Uh, FCS opponent by a hundred points. And, you know, they were down 13, nothing before I believe he was injured. And then, um, you know, that really didn't matter that they took over because now the entire story is where's Florida state's uh, position in the college football playoff race. Does a major injury to a quarterback preclude them from, you know, getting the same respect potentially from the committee uh, that they were getting before. And then also to the big debate in the playoff, if you wanted to have a debate last week was, why is Washington ranked behind Florida State? And now that might not be the case after Washington beat yet another ranked team. There's a lot to unpack here. What was your, your yeah. main takeaway from this? And, um, you know, how does that impact the playoff race I in think your mind? It, it's a walking paradox, right? Because Florida State is sitting here at undefeated. They've been, you know, they're winning. Not unimpressive, but not great. Um, clearly on the course for the playoff. But... You're in a weird spot now where if Florida State beats Florida next week and they beat Louisville in Charlotte for the ACC And it's important title. to note that Graham Mertz got injured in the Florida game, so yes. it might be a few backup quarterbacks in that one, yes. but continue. But regardless, Florida State's in this weird spot where if they don't have Jordan Travis, I kind of think the committee should exclude them from the field if they're undefeated, but they can't and they won't. Because um, that was the question the I was going to ask teams. you: Is there a world that exists? No, you can't. Where Florida do it. State no. wins undefeated. No, it no. does not get in. You Unless, should. It would improve the playoff, but you can't. You can't. Yeah, do that. I agree with you. I agree with you. And listen, you know, I don't know if I'm overly qualified or maybe the most qualified here to talk about this, but you know, I've seen a team suffer a gruesome or tough the JT quarterback Barrett injury game? in the in the last yeah. game of the regular season, and people thought that. 
Um, you know, they were done and cooked, and then Cardale Jones came in as a third-string quarterback that year, and they beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing. and I thought well, it was mo- one of the most thorough beatdowns I've ever seen in my entire life, and then ended up winning the national title. Now, that Ohio State team had a lot of draft picks on it, and I'm not necessarily sure they're one and the same, but I don't think that in a world where a team goes undefeated, even if we all know it, if they're not one of the four best teams without their quarterback, you can say, sorry, you can't play. Like, I think that you have to give an undefeated team the opportunity yeah. to play in that field, even if it amounts to, you know, a one versus four versus Georgia, and then you end up losing by 40. Um, what if they're wearing an American conference patch chest, patch on their chest, sorry? We're going to get into that a little bit more because, <laughs> you know, I had some I had some wavering thoughts on the playoff and the expansion, and I'm getting to the point now where it's like, no matter what happens here with all the teams that keep winning, you know, usually by this this point in the season, November, you know, 18th, you're you're basically pretty honed in on who's going to be in the playoff and nobody's really losing. Um, so mm-hmm. how that pertains to the final edition of the four team field will be an interesting discussion point. But, you know, Florida State earned uh, their record and they don't have their quarterback and it's just a tough decision. So um, let me let me just uh, uh, say here real quick, I wanted to thank everybody uh, for joining us on the uh, reaction show of the until Saturday feed. I just wanted to say that if you're here watching us live on YouTube, we appreciate it. If you are not a YouTube subscriber, find the link in the profile of the podcast in order to follow us live on Saturday, uh, Sunday for Sunday sound off Tuesday for playoff reveal. And then of course, Thursday for the pick show. If you're watching us live on YouTube and want to listen to us in the car, the link to the podcast feed is found in the show's description. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a voicemail and text until Saturday at 316-462-9852 if you want to participate in the Sunday Sound Off show. Again, that is 316-462-9852. And, and sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you get your daily fill of college football right to your inbox, written by the athletic team. You don't have to be subscribed to The Athletic, but you certainly should be. Dave, anything about Florida State that I'm not forgetting here? No. Um what were the Vegas odds in week two or three that Northwestern would be bowling and Colorado would not be bowling? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Some listen, weird stuff today. With, with the Florida State thing here, too, Rotomaker, the, the backup quarterback, had 217 passing yards, two touchdowns, 9.4 <clears> yards <throat> per attempt here in the graphic, 550 yards passing and five touchdowns, uh, five interceptions entering Saturday. Like, do you have any faith whatsoever that Florida State's even going to finish undefeated? I mean, I haven't seen the kid enough, and I don't think anything you do against North Alabama tells you anything. Um, right. You know, when these teams are playing teams like that, you know, they're not going to say it. Um, but a lot of teams do look like that. Look at that as a scrimmage of like, okay, let's fix some stuff. Let's work on some stuff. Let's get some reps for our guys. It's just not even a game situation. And, you know, you get behind in a game like that, and it gets a little panicky. But, like, you know, you're fine unless you're Auburn. Um I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Next week will be enough of a test. I mean, Florida's not a great team, but they're competent. If you don't play well, Florida can beat you. Missouri learned that tonight. Um, and then Louisville's a straight up good team. So, well, do we have to like naturally segue to that because we're talking about this? <laughs> we Is can. There a pa- I don't know if too many t- teams are still alive in the college football playoff race, Dave. But does Louisville have a path 
to the college football playoff now? Or do you think that one loss Probably ACC not, is out? Just because, because if they beat Florida State, that win is going to be downgraded. Fair enough. Right. Like the committee's not going to be like, oh, like, you know, you'd have, you could, I mean, there's a path, I guess, in theory, just because there's enough games and, you know, you could, in theory, have a bunch of losses. You know, maybe Georgia loses to Georgia Tech. Maybe Alabama loses to Auburn. You know, all did you just things. say maybe Georgia loses to Georgia Tech? I'm sorry, my hearing's off. That's Is that what, what you talking, just said? That's what I'm saying, okay, though. I'm sorry, I thought I, I thought. So I, that's what yeah. we're, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. If you want to, you know, open the idea up that Louisville has a path to the playoff. So you know, I saw I'm saying mathematically possible in the real world, not really possible. Well, I think that people thought that if Florida State were to lose uh, and still win the ACC heading into this weekend that the ACC would likely be eliminated from the discussion. I mean, there are just too many teams out there. Texas won. They're still alive. We're going to get yeah. to all these games, too. But, you know, you have Oregon. Washington's undefeated. You have Ohio State and Michigan. One of those teams will likely be undefeated at the end of the year. And then, of course, you've got Alabama and Georgia. I just don't know what would have to happen for the committee to think Louisville is more um, worthy than any of those other teams if they finish the yeah. way that they are. So It'd be tough. it's just a tough break. But the thing that really stinks about this more than anything is, is that Florida State has dudes. And yeah. and Florida State uh, won all their games so far this year. And their quarterback was maybe not the best player in the country, but certainly very good. And to see a young man who, you know, from what I understand, is like one of the nicest young mans and young men in the history of of the world, you know, it just I, I just feel like really sick for him in the Florida State community. So um, you know, our podcast is just littered with grab ass and jokes and fun, but all kidding aside, that's just a really tough break and the worst yeah. part about college football. So Yeah. Anything you'd like it. to add or should we move on? No, uh you know, I hope he goes well on his on his recovery and um, you know, we'll see what happens with Florida State. Uh so we'll see. Yeah, well it just makes Tuesday more interesting too now as we get into this. So yeah, why don't we bit. segue to um, maybe the game of the week here, and that is Washington's showdown in Corvallis with uh, Oregon State. Washington beat them twenty-two to twenty. Michael Penix Jr. had one hundred eighty-four total yards and three touchdowns. It was raining, so it wasn't like a Heisman stats game. But let me tell you guys something: if you watch the end of the game, uh, Washington had a critical third down where they needed to pick up a first to avoid giving Oregon State the ball late, and Michael Penix Jr. threw a rope to Romo Dunze on the sideline on one-on-one coverage, and it was completed, and then Penix did the, you know, the (laughs) The bow and arrow celebration, and I thought that that wasn't, like, probably the most spectacular play. That would have just been a first down uh, in the second quarter, but I don't know if that was a Heisman moment. Um, Washington survives, obviously, on the road against a team that they were underdogs to, and picks up yet another win against a ranked team. And I think that both of us probably thought that Washington wasn't a serious national championship contender coming into the weekend because their defense was not very good. And then their defense, I thought, played a hell of a game against a very talented team. Now yeah. Washington's Washington's resume here has a win over Oregon, a win over a ranked USC at the time. Uh, not that it matters, but beat Utah, beat Oregon State. They've got a, a really nice resume, and they haven't lost yet. So it's setting up a nice little showdown rematch with Oregon in, in Las Vegas. And um, I think the PAC 12 has kind of officially gotten to the point now where they have to be in. If one of these teams, Oregon or Washington. Uh, has to be and should be. I mean, both of these teams are playoff caliber teams. So, you know, there's a world in which I think, you know, if you get an upset 
um, you know, if Alabama loses or something like that. You know, there's a there's a world in which, and, and maybe Florida State loses, that, you know, if Washington loses close to Oregon, you know, you could still maybe squeeze both of them in. Um, it's possible. Uh, unlikely. You'd need some help down the way. But I will say, Ari, I think, you know, as good as that play was, you're underrating the Penix play earlier in the fourth where he, like, avoided the rush. Mm-hmm. The broadcast thought he was throwing it away, and he dropped, like, a perfect bomb uh, or a ball in, you know, to his, I think it was a back who had leaked out. Uh, I didn't see uh, exactly who it was to. I was watching a lot of different stuff. But, you know, it's, um, uh, and I, I think there's something to be said for also playing in Corvallis where it was rain, crappy, rain crappy all rubber, day yeah. against a mutter of all mutters in Oregon State and you still take care of business. You know, Washington is the opposite of that they like to throw it around a team that beats you aerially doesn't love uh to run the ball and took care of business today and against a team that you know some people thought might out physical them and again you were you were an underdog in this game and you still took care of business and won um shout out to washington an impressive win today i mean it's one of those things where you just got to win add it to your resume and washington won but was the, they were the better team today. You know, when they beat Oregon, you know, it was one of those games where it's like, well, somebody had to lose that game. I don't think people walked away from that thinking, oh, Washington, clearly a better team. And then obviously the narrative around them have, has has changed a little bit in the month and a half since, where I think a lot of people, myself included, think Oregon's a better team. Washington was the better team in this ball game and, and proved it. And when you go on the road to a, you know, borderline top 10 team like Oregon State, it's not always easy to do. So props to the Huskies. Big win. We alluded to this earlier on the show, and, and our producer, Camelina, gave us a heads up here. We mentioned a Graham Mertz injury is a fractured collarbone, so I'm assuming yeah, he's not so going to be playing against Florida State, and that uh, continues to maybe help the path for Florida State to finish unbeaten get a little bit easier considering what they're dealing with. But did your perspective of you, – you started the show with I told you guys about Washington. Um, mm-hmm. Has your perspective about what they are or what they're able to accomplish shifted after watching this game? No, but, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you are 9-0, 10-0, and you're in sort of rarefied air, you start feeling the pressure. You can feel every week, these teams, that they go and they're, you know, Texas probably feels it a little bit at this point, um, where, like, you got a, some big things on the board. Well, you know what takes that pressure off is... When somebody makes you an underdog, <laughs> and I think you, that 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 gets your team's attention, like it or not, and I think that there's a mindset shift there. And I will say, it was really interesting tonight. Uh, I covered Georgia and Tennessee, and um, Kirby I think does this well, and he's talking about a mindset, and he's like, you know, everybody's trying to come after us. We're not worried about them. We're not worried about who's hunting us. We're worried about who we're hunting. And I think that there's a mindset shift there. That can happen, and I think you saw that with Washington today. They played really loose, and I think that when you come into a game where a lot of people think you're going to lose, even though you're undefeated and you're a top five team, it's not about oh we got to have the pressure and the relief of winning. It's okay, we'll show you, we'll show you, and I think that takes some of the pressure off. And Washington looked really uh, strong. I mean, this is one of their best performances of the season, and I think that's part of it. I think my perspective changed a little bit. Um the toughness on the lines? Well, I thought that there was a chance, and I think we kind of saw it a little bit in the third quarter when Oregon State was fighting to get back into the game. But you know how and I saw somebody on Twitter make this point, and I thought it was pretty apt, and I don't know if it was a reporter or somebody in my mentions, so I for, forgive me for not crediting you properly, but they said that 
Oregon State is the embodiment of the blue-collar, hard-hat, lunch-pail team that coaches always use in their cliches. They actually play that way. And even though they were down and it looked like you know, Washington was on the verge of potentially running away with it in the second quarter. I thought that Oregon State did a really good job of hanging in there and just kind of spanking some ass there. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that they were, you know, physical and they were going to use the home field and weather advantage and, and get back into the game. And that's what they did. Now, it takes a really good team to be able to win multiple ways. And Washington has played in a lot of close games this year, maybe more than I would have liked for a team that I think that, uh, um, is in the national championship discussion, but I think going out and getting a win on the road in the Pac-12 in November uh, against a very good team in the rain is worth something, you know? Yeah. And the thing that's a little bit tough for me is, you know, Mr. Playoff guy is I almost feel bad that they have to play Oregon again because it's almost taking away from the victory that they had already won and earned against them. And I frankly think that, uh, and I found out today that I'm covering this game in Vegas, so if I make it to the stadium before dying, uh, you know, wish me, wish me well, but it stinks that they have to beat them again because I think they already did, and I don't know that they're going to beat them again. It's going to be a hard thing for them to do. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Counterpoint. What about Oregon who had to go to Seattle? Yeah, I know, but that's I mean, that's the sport. I mean, I know, I know that's the sport. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying the way it like, works. Oregon went to Seattle, came, you know, within a whisker of beating a pretty good Washington team. Sure did. And and I, I you know, you could say, well, is it fair that your whole season comes down to a scheduling quirk that, well, this year we had to go play them in Seattle, and if we had been you know, this good in 2022 instead of 2023, you know, it might have been different. Well, now you get to go play them again on a neutral field. And if Washington is clearly the best team, they will prove it on that neutral field. And if they're not, I just think it's really hard to beat Oregon the same team twice. Not that even Oregon is not, is not even like Oregon's getting better Georgia. and it's very good, but like it's really, really hard to do. Um, <laughs> I don't so, disagree, but but if you if you want to earn it, earn it. You know, this is what this is. Here's the thing. All right. You you can qualm with the playoff and all these things. But listen, as we get into the 12 team playoff era, you are going to have to earn it. You don't get the benefit of the computers or the scheduling or, well, <clears throat> you know, the rest of my league did well. The SEC's strength is 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 big. And now I got to win, you know, two games to win a national title. You have to win three or four. And that's a big difference. And whoever is holding up the trophy at the end of the season is going to have earned it in a million different ways. And I think that when you we've had situations in the past, uh, you know, the one that comes to mind, obviously, 
is, you know, Alabama in 2011 did not deserve a second chance to play for a for a title. They didn't. Yeah. And they got it and they proved it, but like we didn't need to see that. They didn't deserve that and they won it anyway. Um <clears throat> and there's no deserve anymore in the playoff. If you get in, you're going to have to earn it. And if you're Number but there 13. Is some, there is some. I'm going to channel my Ari Wasserman. If you're number 13, I don't care about you. <laughs> I don't care about your there complaints. There you go. Say, will you say that again? <laughs> Hold on. Just let me close my eyes and hear you say it. If you're slowly. number 13, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about your complaints. <laughs> now imagine I if you're 56. I barely care about your complaints at number <laughs> five. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a tough break. But the one thing I wanted to say is I want to give the Pac 12 the flowers that they deserve here mm-hmm. because. You know, there have been a lot of years where they've been kind of an afterthought, and there have been a lot of years where they have been above average but have beaten each other up. And we were joking a month ago about how the Pac-12's schedule was so backloaded, it would have been impossible for any of these teams to make it out alive. And now we're likely going to get a game, and I don't know what's going to happen with the Oregon-Oregon State game, but we're on track here for potentially having a game where the winner goes, no matter who it is. And that's yeah. super exciting. Like last year, USC, mm-hmm. when I when I covered it with Andy, it was USC and Utah. You know, Utah was not making the playoff, and they played spoiler. But there is an element of like, who's going to celebrate in Vegas that night? Who's going to win? Who's going to get in? You know, and like that to me is the purest form of the fourteen field, which is conference championship games mattering and playing a winner go home playoff game before the playoff. Which, you know, uh, and. We'll get to this because I want to. I want you to help me with something. I want to tell everybody this. Okay. Frankly, I'm scared. No, you know on? already. I don't. Actually. I messaged Dave and our editor in the afternoon on Saturday oh, yeah. during the game, saying I was considering <laughs> writing a column about the potential that this is actually the first year where the twelve team playoff would be better. Um, and that's a departure of the way that I've communicated how I feel about the fourteen playoff, and. The thing that's making me question that is really good teams that deserve the right to be in the playoff being left out. And I think it's getting more and more likely that at least one of those teams will happen this year just based on the way that the season's playing out. So we'll get we'll get to it because, you know, on one hand, I believe that. But then on the other hand, it's like lace them up and let's play now and we're going to figure it out. You know, so I don't so when know. You're in, your, in your perfect world, Ari, would the situation be. Okay. It's December 4 or December 3rd, whatever, that Saturday night, all the games are done, and the playoff committee comes to you, Ari Wasserman, and says, Ari, do four teams get in this year or 12 teams get in this year? Is that your dream scenario, essentially? Can you repeat that? I don't know what you're, what you're saying. Sorry. <laughs> Saturday night, uh, after championship Saturday, all the games are done. Yeah. The committee is is you know cloistering or whatever. And they come to you and they say, Ari, is the playoff four teams or 12 teams this year? Is that basically your dream? <laughs> if I get to pick, okay, can yes. I be the puppet master? Well, it, no, it happens each year, every year in perpetuity. Yes. They ask you. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a very this is a very strange season, you have to admit. Where last year we couldn't find four teams viable enough to get in. So teams that likely yeah. wouldn't have gotten in in regular circumstances. I'm talking to both Ohio State and TCU a year ago got in because of lack of, of alternative options. Um, mm-hmm. This year, there is a chance that we're going to have four unbeaten power five champs in a team like Texas, for instance, or, you know, a team like Florida State with one loss or somebody it's just not going to get in who I think actually is a very good viable option. So, 
you know, that is when I'll I'll see the twelve team and be like, yeah, that that would be better. That would be cool. Get everybody we, a seat at the table. But I then at the same time, Dave, on, before I finish, before before you jump in, if there are four unbeaten Power Five teams, and I don't feel bad for anybody left out because yeah. then the regular season mattered. So it's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. It's like back and forth between like I don't know if it's just me being a horn. But night for the there's horns, a, there's man. a chance we're going to segue to that here in a minute. Yeah. But you know there are chances now that some of these teams that are going to be one loss conference champs might be out, and that's not typical. You know, in this sport, very often. So mm-hmm. that it's hard. Why to don't we just team. say? Why don't we move on directly to that Texas game? Because of course, uh, this was another circle on the calendar. Is Texas going to show up and and yeah. you know be old Texas again? And briefly, Ari, I will ask you this question about yes. the Saturday night. Uh, there's a, I like the energy in the air, like late Saturday night on championship Saturday. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'll ask the chat this. I'll ask you this, <clears throat> which coach is most likely to be on every single game broadcast, post game show, anyone that will have him campaigning for his team and arguing about point spreads. And why is it probably Steve Sarkeesian? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. If Alabama wins the SEC, mm-hmm. I can't fathom Texas as a one-loss Big 12 champ not getting in. Because if over Georgia, if, if Alabama, if Alabama wins the SEC, then you could make the case that Texas has the best win in college football this year. Going on the road and beating the one-loss SEC champion who knocked off Georgia is going to be a very attractive yeah. piece um yes. to the puzzle there. So, I don't know there's a lot of Alabama and Texas talk. I don't know if there's a route in college football this year where uh, Alabama wins the championship in the SEC and Texas wins the Big 12 as a one-loss team, and that's those are the two teams that are fighting for the last spot. I think yeah. other teams would be in trouble in that instance. So um, that that brings us to, like, could one-loss Oregon be left out if Florida State finishes unbeaten, Alabama wins the championship, Texas finishes um, out and then Ohio State or Michigan takes out the last spot, then all of a sudden the Pac 12's on the hot seat. I don't mm-hmm. think that there is a scenario, and maybe I'm I'm not thinking this clearly, so let me know. But if I were the Pac 12, I would be sweating. Like who gets in, and I don't want to we, we gotta get to the games maybe. and we can do this at the end of the show. But like the thing that I don't know is if it comes down to a one loss Big 12 champion in Texas and a one loss Oregon team that avenged its only loss in the Pac-12 championship and beat Washington, and it somehow comes down to those two being the last two teams. Yeah. How does that play out? That See, and that's where you start talking about the ex- expanded 12-teamer that, where I could like, listen, hey, yeah. you're right about this. Somebody's going to get the short end of the stick here because when you get to that point, you're just basically doing pure resume. It It, yeah. it doesn't usually get to a point where one, both teams actually deserve it, and it's kind of a coin flip, you know. And that it would that be basically the first time that the committee gets real heat for their final decision. Like twenty fourteen, the first since year. Twenty fourteen. That's the first time that people were actually pretty mad. And even and then, they got it then, right. It's been pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, hi. I mean, hindsight. I just sure. don't think you could have chosen between Baylor and TCU, so you don't choose either. I think that that like is probably I don't know you you were closer to that than I, I was right I don't know. I guess I we don't need to How, relitigate but I'm saying at the very least it, was, it, it was would be the first ridiculous. time since 2014 which is going on almost 10 years that this would have happened and that yeah, is the worst thing 
Mm-hmm. I like the four team field because I love the stakes that I that creates in the regular season. I don't like teams that are worthy being left out because somebody else made a decision. And that hasn't happened yeah. very often, if at all. If it happens for the first time, I'll I'll tell you that I was wrong about that and this this sucks. Let's get to twelve. But it just happens so rarely that it never is something that I even had to consider. So um and, and listen, it's probably not gonna work out this way and teams are probably still gonna lose and there's a lot of football to be played. Um, but we are looking down the gun at that. So I think this is a nice segue. Let's get back to Texas. Um yeah. you know, I am one regular season game away from being right about Texas, whether they make the playoff or not. I Toughness would be right. Um, they, they they aren't beating the crap out of teams, but they aren't losing to teams. Uh, they beat well, Iowa State twenty six to sixteen. Well. Yeah, Some weird well, officiating. You know, there are teams lopsided that are kind of on the upswing here, and Texas is just kind of winning and winning and winning, which is fine. And I know what they have on their team from a talent standpoint. I think that if you watched any of this game, Dave that Jonathan Brooks's absence was at least felt very much so yeah. in the first half. I don't think people have given um, how much of a loss that is much credence or, or at least enough credit for what it is. I think that was, well, a huge I think it's loss. because they're not, I think it's because they're not going to be facing like, they don't have the the final boss waiting at the end, right? They don't have to play Michigan or Ohio state. They don't have to play Oregon or Washington, like Texas, like if they lose to Texas tech, or if they lose to, I'm not going to try to guess the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve tiebreaker. I guess it's Oklahoma State for now. I don't know. I think that's what um, it is. Yeah. If they lose, so nobody's going to say, "Well, they didn't have Jonathan Brooks, so it's okay." People are going to be like, "Texas choked." That's going to be what people say, win or lose. So I think that's part of why the Jonathan Brooks loss. Because I think if they get in the playoff, people then I think it will come back up and say, "Well, you know, Texas, if they're going to play Georgia, who is relatively susceptible to the run." Um, you know, think about how much better their chances would be if they had Jonathan Brooks. I think that's and Brooks a big also was reason. a really big piece of their passing game. I mean, he yeah, he yeah. leaked out of the backfield a lot and made a lot of plays for them. I mean, he's he was a. I think you could make the case that he might be the second or third most. I mean, that's not really even a, a statement. That maybe the even the most important piece of their offense this year. You know, and Xavier Worthy has, has made his plays. Ad Mitchell's made his plays. I'm not. They yeah. have a lot of good players. But like Brooks was the main piece that really made that engine run. And honestly speaking, I'm not trying to to be mean here, but I think that you can make the case that Quinn Ewers is the weak link on his own team. Um, well, it's tough when to you say. Look he's at missed the, a lot of games. And no, I know, so, but I'm saying so if you look at the offensive game, yeah. line and the in the running back yeah. room before Brooks got injured and the receivers, what what position group is the weakest link in that offense? Doesn't mean that he's yeah. bad. It just doesn't mean that he's he's carrying the team. He's got a lot of players yeah. around him. So, you know, they, they beat Iowa state on the road. This certainly was a circle on the calendar, tough game for them because you know Iowa state was coming in better. You saw some of the post game comments. You sent them to me or the pregame comments about how Texas is entitled and all that stuff. And, you know, they went in their handled business. Iowa state couldn't get anything going on offense. Texas legitimately has a good defense and they won the game comfortably. So, you know, they are, one home game away against Texas Tech from finishing the regular season and heading to the Big 12 championship game. And then whoever they play there, I think they have a really good chance of winning. And then off to the races. So, and listen. Does Texas Tech get to claim the Big 12 title if they win that game? Yes. I think they do, right? 
I mean, yeah. you know, Texas Tech has been like drooling for this game all year or two, and I know that's the case with everybody. If it was in Lubbock, but, buddy, I yeah, that'd be scary. I, I, it would be. Have you been? Have you been to Lubbock or I've been never to a been night to game Lubbock. in Lubbock? I've never even been to the oh, city. Oh man, yeah, it's the Bermuda Triangle of college sports. It is like well, a lot of planes crash. The pinnacle out there. of weird, yeah, the pinnacle of just. I've seen some weird, weird, weird games out there. Uh, I watched. Do you know that the Bermuda Triangle? I'm scared of how much you know about the Bermuda Triangle, Ari. What do you? Well, about actually, I, I was very amused by uh, all the memes that said. I have you seen the memes online that say when I was a kid, I used to think that um, the Bermuda Triangle was going to be a much bigger issue for me than it turned out to be. <laughs> that, or that quicksand, right? <laughs> quicksand is the other one, yeah. And then I like got into like thinking, like, what actually went on in the Bermuda Triangle? And actually, it turns out that I guess there's just more flights that go over that area of the country. That statistically than ever or that area of the world than any other area. And like statistically, it was more likely for things to go wrong over that, that stretch rather than anything weird happening out there. Follow me for more Bermuda triangle facts. But yeah. I, <laughs> no, I think I watched, I watched a West Virginia team go out there. The team with Tavon Austin, Geno Smith and Stedman Bailey. And they lost by like four touchdowns to a not great Texas tech team. There's some gonna, weird stuff that's happened out there. So, but anyway, but that home. game's in Austin. They should yeah, win. So. I think that I'm mm-hmm. feeling really comfortable fine. now that Texas will finish the season as a one-loss Big Ten, Big Twelve champion, mm-hmm. which would be the only fourth time they have won it in their entire existence in the Big Twelve. So, um, and a bunch of good wins and no bad losses. I feel pretty good about where I'm at now and where we were at the beginning of the year. Um, it's amazing what having good players can do for a team. So. That said, we're not going to do this Group B, Group A thing tonight because that's not pertinent. But of all the Group B teams that scare me, Texas, which is a fringe Group A team, would be the one that would scare me the most in an indoor field, laning up line for line, talent for talent, skill for skill against a team like Georgia. So we'll see how that goes. And, you know, heck, maybe Texas will do it. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll shock the world and win the national championship. You never know. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Dave, yes. another wonderful segue. You know, Cam, I don't know if he's just in my head, our producer, but like he he's <laughs> really, like he sets these rundowns for us and they're like the perfect like way to segue from one to one. I just got done saying that Texas would be scary in the college football playoff, which I'm sure will be clipped and put on Twitter. But um, you saw Georgia for the second time in, I think, a few weeks up close. Mm -hmm. Uh, They beat Tennessee 38 to 10. It was just another boa constrictor sucking the life out of their opponent type of game. Mm -hmm. Um, Just another reminder of just how beautiful Joe Milton's passes are. If they just landed anywhere near the receivers he was throwing it to. It's a problem, man. It's a problem. Uh, the, the Joe Milton experience has not gone well in Tennessee. Dan but. Wolken from the USA Today did um, a tweet, and I sent it to you. And I think that people are starting to join me where I was in Jacksonville a month ago. Mm-hmm. Is everybody else playing for second place in your mind? Um, are you starting to come around to the notion that George is probably just going to do it again? Or what is your take from covering him and seeing him in person for the second well- time in a month? <laughs> So you look around, it's not even, like, Georgia is singularly great, right? Uh, by the way, if they beat Georgia Tech next week, they will have the longest winning streak in SEC history. Would it be 30? First team, 29. 29? Saban's never won more than 26, it should be noted. Uh, and first team in SEC history to go 8-0 in the Was the last season. game they lost, the SEC championship two years ago? Yes, that's the last one. Uh, which they avenged a month later. Uh, 44 or 45 games they have won. I mean, this is crazy. So, Georgia's great. This isn't really about Georgia, right? But you look around at the landscape, right? And you say, who is is beating these guys? (laughs) Like, it has to be Alabama, doesn't it? Like, that's the only team that I, I can really see it. Like, it's not like it's impossible for these teams to beat them, but like, peak Georgia, okay? Ohio State's not doing it. I think Michigan, you know, Have I you think Have you been watching Ohio the, State the last two weeks? Yes. They're starting they're to figure it out a little bit. Are they? Or are they playing Minnesota? I mean, they've been playing crappy teams all year. I don't know why that was yes. different now. Yes. You know who doesn't play crappy teams all year? Georgia. Alabama. And they and they beat them just as bad. I No, Ohio I'm State's just not, saying. Ohio State's not beating Georgia. Somebody Sorry, here in the not. chat, uh, one of our one of our most loyal listeners here, uh, Matthew C here. I see him on Twitter all day, and I appreciate you you following and, and interacting with us. Said Ari, "Come on, Texas is not a fringe Group A team. Come on, yeah." And I think people need Group A and Group B isn't an opinion. Group yeah, A and Group B is a statistic based analysis, and Texas is a fringe Group A team based solely on the f- mathematical number. That is associated with the talent on their roster. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're better than Oregon or they're better than Florida State or anybody else. It's just they are in that window when it comes to the pure stars that they have on their team. Ohio Which State is another matter. one of those teams mm-hmm. that is more is in Group A based on that statistical breakdown. And Alabama is number one in that. So if you want to say that. Alabama is the number one team in the country that you think could beat this Georgia team at their best. I would accept that based on the notion of their ability to line up position by position with that team. Um, That said, how many actual teams do you 
think could beat Georgia if everything went right for them this year? So that's that's sort of the question, right? And I, I just think you look around, right? Ohio State's not doing it. Sorry, they're not doing it. Michigan, if man, it feels like all this is weighing down Michigan. Does it not? They just well, we're seem gonna get like, to Michigan. We're gonna get to Michigan. Yeah. I don't know. Like, listen. Okay, so our, why don't you finish your Georgia thought, and then we'll go okay. to Michigan because we have a lot to talk about. It with feels Michigan. like Michigan is is just being weighed down by all this. It's not going anywhere. This is gonna be a month more, six more weeks before the playoff of this. If Michigan gets there, man, that's that's a lot. Okay, Florida State. I'm sorry. Like you probably weren't before. You definitely aren't now. That's not even really worth discussing. Washington, you're not tough enough on the lines. I think Oregon can. I think Oregon has the right mix of explosiveness and physicality that, like, if you're looking to me, I think Oregon is probably second most likely, or, you know, most likely other than Bama. And then, of course, you know, Texas theoretically could, but they'd have to have a lot of things go right for them. So you start looking around and you're just like, you know, Georgia, we know they're going to have to play Bama. That's the best team. I think that has the, obviously has the chance to, but if it's not if Bama doesn't get it done, it's not happening. Ari, I'm with you. I gotta I gotta push back. I'm not gonna push back. I I you can't. You were handing them the trophy after Jacksonville. You can't. You're the not allowed to push that back. I have, the question that I have, you have to listen to the phrasing carefully. I asked you if everything went right for the team that they were playing. Well. I'm saying like if they played a ver- their perfect game that they're capable. Does that mean of. that does that mean that a ton of things go wrong for Georgia? Yeah, I mean I don't know how to how to quantify it. I'm not saying I mean, that Georgia, Georgia turns the, it over if Georgia six loses times. The tur- yeah, mean, if you're losing the turnover battle for nothing, then I guess you could say that Georgia could lose to you know a dozen teams or whatever. But like in a normal circumstance, maybe Georgia doesn't play great, but like that it wouldn't take like something special. I just you know Bama. Maybe Oregon, maybe Texas. Yeah, I'm very interested in in your wholesale dismissal of Ohio State as a team that that could play with Ari, them. They had um, a the rookie of the year MVP candidate throwing to a healthy receiver group last year, and they still couldn't beat Georgia. And now they're going to do it. Come on, I don't know. That Come I on. believe that they would. I don't think that they deserve a wholesale dismissal on November 18th. I do. I'm wholesale dismissing um, them on November 18th. They might beat somebody. They might win a playoff Ohio game. Ohio State can line up with them. I think that's like 80% of the battle. Yeah, but you got to be able to. Yeah, no, no. And also, too, what I'm wondering. What have you seen from Kyle McCord that made you just like buy this i just don't i don't see it he's a good player but he's not you're gonna have to have some special talent at quarterback to beat georgia georgia's not losing to a team that has like average play at quarterback it's not happening perfect need segue. somebody to do a segue. perfect segue again god threading the needle <laughs> michigan okay <laughs> we've got a lot to unpack here we're 40 minutes in let's try to keep it to 10 minutes michigan. you think we can do it michigan michigan Beat Maryland 31 to 24. Um, there was a time where it felt like the game could potentially be in question late. Um, but they were playing Maryland, so they didn't they didn't lose. JJ McCarthy. There was one sequence at the end of this game that will stick out to me. And I can't remember if, if Michigan, I think Michigan was up by five and they were facing 
a third and five in plus territory, I think around the 42 or 45 yard line with about five to seven minutes left. And they ran the ball. And it kind of reminded me of the season long discussion we've had about JJ McCarthy and who he is and when he can put this team on his back. And I really, really, really think that today was an illustration and an opportunity for him to be like, listen, I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I just won that game. And not only did he not make the play, the acting head coach took the ball out of his hands. And I I don't know if that's a interim head coach mistake and Harbaugh threw his, you know, spaghetti bolognese against the, the, the hotel <laughs> wall, but I don't did you watch this game? Yeah. So you were like leaning toward Michigan as a potential team that could beat Georgia more than Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering how you could have watched that game today and thought well, that things, team sorry. is better than Ohio State right now in that arena. Well, okay, two things. One, should we discuss the elephant in the room? Let's get into it. Okay, so we didn't we didn't podcast on Friday when all yeah. of this stuff came out, but mm-hmm. linebacker coach Chris Partridge was dismissed. Um, Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger, two of the best college football reporters on the face of the earth, uncovered a lot of stuff there uh, in terms of of where Connor Stallions was being funded or partially funded by Uncle T, uh, Tony Perkis from Heavyweights. Um, <laughs> it got serious. It went from lone wolf to, you know, to into the program to the point where a assistant got fired. And it feels as if this is still growing. So the elephant in the room of this is the week before the Ohio State game. Um, a linebacker coach on one of the best defenses in the country was dismissed. The NCAA seems to be circling around the house, ready to ready to bust the door down. And there are a lot of uncertainties outside of the realm of the game that Michigan is dealing with. Was that well said? Um, Pretty much. And I how just much think are you going to attribute that stuff? Well, this stuff weighs on a team. And when I was referencing the elephant in the room, Ari, it was more the fact of how much did the signals affect the team? You don't have them now. I know. It's so crazy. It's hard to break down. It's a, it's it's tough. Because you don't know. You don't it's know. That's in my head, though. It's in my head, though. Right? But I'm saying like we how, don't know how much it impacted yes, their previous don't. play, and we don't we know don't. if it is impacting them now. Right. We don't. Um, so I think all this stuff weighs on the team. The constant talk, you're getting coaches fired. That's a big deal. Harbaugh not, you know, not coaching on game day, especially this week where you didn't really know what was going on. Uh, you have all this stuff. The storyline for your team and all anybody wants to talk about is, you know, I think it's hard to block out that noise. Constant people, uh, you know, if you're checking, I'm sure if you're a Michigan player and you're checking your mentions, you have a lot of people talking to you or your Instagram comments or whatever, telling you, oh, you know. Your team's a fraud, all this stuff. I think that weighs on a team collectively, all the conversation around them. It just does. And so you add all that stuff up. I think the Michigan team that was rolling out there on Halloween or, you know, a week before then that was still beating everybody by 40 points. I think this is a different Michigan team. 
I don't well, here's know the thing I you're not Michigan saying that needs Ohio to be State. said. Here's what needs mm-hmm. to be said, Dave. Last week when they went to Penn State, they were still in aggressor lawsuit. We're going to show everybody yeah, we're Michigan men mode. We forgot, yeah, we, we should hit on this. This week, they're skates. They're on skates. Tails, tails tucked between legs. It really Michigan. is a different vibe from the administration and university that may or may not be seeping into that locker room because they're not Mr. We're Michigan men and we're going to, you know, sue the shit out of you and get our coach back. Now we're wondering whether Harbaugh's ever going to come back, you know, and maybe he will this year um, for the Big Ten championship if they make that there and, and, and further. But Michigan is in such deep shit right now. And I, and I don't know how else to put it. And I think Michigan fans are starting to come around to the notion of like, oh, my God, this is actually going to be a big deal. Well, all um, along the way, you've seen like the yeah. I, I'm always intrigued with like the hardcore Michigan people like excusing this or excusing that. And every step of the way, we've kind of seen it. Right. Well, it didn't affect anything. Uh, it was a lone wolf. Uh, you know, we've seen it. We, you know, you guys have seen it. You've heard it. It, it it's it's here's the I here's heard the, a lot. Can I, I haven't can I heard a lot in the last forty eight hours. This guy Michigan I followed in a long time, dating back to to when I was on the beat, has funny tweets. But here's the the notion of of where things are. Step one was everyone does it. Then it was lone wolf. Then it was Ryan Day is coping. Then it was should have spent time installing new signs that have been used all year. Then it was stealing stealing signs doesn't help much. Then it was not. That's not him. Connor Stallions on the CMU sideline. Okay, it's him. Okay, there's proof. <laughs> yeah. uh, then nothing will happen. Then we'll sue and leave the SEC. Then it's not cheating. Then Harbaugh suspended. Then here comes the lawyers. Then we're the victims. Then but 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 due process. Then university president defiles himself on Twitter. Assistant <laughs> elephant ears. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Athletic department Google's what discovery is. Oopsie. We are Harbaugh stay suspended and we are here. And it's like there is this like it's been this like long stream of like back and forth of here's the new thing. Here's the thing that they say. Then the new thing turns out that that's wrong. And you go down the list and list. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got to get to a point where it's like I've got no more options here. Yeah. Like we are in trouble. They're in trouble. Um, And you know what the, the, the truth is here, Dave, too? And get, go ahead and call me a homer if you want. Maybe it's not a homer take. <laughs> I won't you have tell to. I think me. plenty of people will. Let me ask you this. Yeah. In my opinion, and I guess save for losing Harbaugh as their coach, Michigan has already paid the ultimate price for this scandal. And you want to know what that price is? That A, they no longer can say that they do things the right way, which is a major point of pride for them. But their coach second, has been suspended for half the season for two separate secondly, incidents. Secondly, though, <laughs> and people will tell you that, you know, Michigan did a good job. I even think that they kind of lucked ass backwards into this, but they convinced the Big Ten to stop being the aggressor in exchange to stay suspended and then leaving it all up to the NCAA, which is a slower drawn out process in which you have 90 days to respond, which does what Dave, it gets us to the end of the season and it gives Michigan a chance to do the one thing that only matters to them more than anything, which is to finally beat Ohio state again and win a national championship. But you want to know what the punishment is that even if they successfully keep the law 
and the NCAA and the looming punishment kick down the road long enough, and they do it, it won't feel right. It won't feel right for them. It won't feel right for the people who watch the the sport. They won't get the respect that they are so craving that you get when you win a championship because everybody thinks they've been cheating. And to me, it's like you can vacate wins. You can suspend and fire coaches. But the entire program, even if it accomplishes the hardest thing to accomplish in the entire world, can't truly revel in the greatness that is winning a national championship because the entire country, right or wrong, will roll their eyes at you. So everything else after that, do what, do what you want. You know, suspend Harbaugh for six games next year. Fire him if he's if he's locked. Whatever you want to do. Losing that essence, which is what made Michigan, Michigan, the right way Michigan men mentality, that's gone, and they can't do what they wanted to do with the best team that they've had because people won't believe it. So what else can you do to a program? It's over. That's it. Yeah, and I think the gold status for a program is kind of where Georgia's at, where people just begrudgingly, like, bend the knee and just bow down to you of just like George is the best. What are you going to do? You know, like T they beat the crap out of you and like people aren't even that bad. <laughs> it's like, well, and like, yeah. I think that there's something to that where Michigan will never get to that because if they do well, get truthfully, beat, speaking, like, well, Dave, they had our signs, all that stuff. So many people will never get to that. Ohio state probably will never get to that. Like it's hard yeah. to get to that. There've been two Michigan teams was closer than decade. a lot of people though. Ari, I mean, they were closer than 85% of the sport. I give you that. 85%. Maybe 95% of the sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's 10 teams. I don't know. What's the math? What's 10 out of 133? Do do it on the calculator for me. uh, Roughly 7%. There it is. 93% of the teams in the country can't. But I I just think that (laughs) I have questions about the team on the field. I don't think that it is a open and shut case that they're going to beat Ohio State next week. And if you do, then we'll see what happens. I did I did I did a month ago. I don't anymore. Ohio don't State's anymore. doing this and Michigan's doing this right now. And mm-hmm. uh Marvin Harrison Jr., Trey Henderson, and some of the guys their their defense is playing well. Like, you know, and, and to go back to the other point too, we don't know how much it helped, but Ohio State played a very risky defense last year. You know, single mm-hmm. high safety type stuff where if you miss a tackle, you know, there was a eight yard pass that one tackle missed and they went to the house. Yeah. If Michigan knew what defense Ohio state was playing last year, those are the types of defenses that you could beat by knowing those signals. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying that if it did happen, it will show up on the field next week and we don't know for sure. So yeah, there is a lot to the analysis of this game. We will spend all week discussing this, but this notion that they're just going to beat the shit out of Ohio State is wrong. Like, that's not going to happen, I don't I think. I think it's right. And I think you it's think true. That they, you, know, you think I'm right or you think they will beat No, them? I think you're right. I, I, okay. uh, two weeks ago, maybe a month ago, oh, definitely a month ago, maybe two weeks ago, I would have disagreed with you. It looked like it looked like you know it was a lambs headed to slaughter situation for Ohio State. I'm not there yet. I, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. And I don't know what's going to happen. That makes it exciting for me. And I think, too... In the chat, some people were bringing up Bill Self. We we're talking about, you know, Bill Self has been, you know, pursued for cheating. It's two different things. I think when you talk about recruiting cheating, nobody's ever cared about that because that is a literal 
everybody does it. Situation. It's the sanctity of the game in between the lines. Yes, that is yes, different. yes. And he, and even and even if a team that did cheat in recruiting versus a team that doesn't, you like, still have to try to beat them. Yeah, I don't. I just I I think in part because the quote unquote the act that you have to commit to cheat in the way that we're referring to, and whether it's Bill Self or you know the SEC for many decades, is a moral good to me that like players should be getting money that then it really muddies the water because I'm like, okay, you're cheating, but you just helped one of your best pass rushers mom pay off, you know, pay her rent for this month because she got laid off. Oh, how terrible. Like, okay. Like, so I think it's just different. And I think that this level of cheating where it is, like you said, impacting the game between the white lines and not on the recruiting trail is just different. And nobody has ever looked at a team like, you know, nobody delegitimizes what USC did because people were letting Reggie Bush live in a very nice house. Okay. He's a good player and they beat the crap out of teams. Yes. Nobody cares about that. Nobody has ever cared about that. Well, some people have, but I think especially in the last 15 years, the sea change and people recognizing as, as the money has gone up in college football and the players have still continued to pay that they're continuing to not be paid. People have realized how exploitive the enterprise is. So there's going to be a lot to discuss about this game. We have on the field discussions. We have off the field discussions. This is going to be a week. I mean, Sunday sound off. I'm sure we'll be filled with this. Why don't we move on to, you know, some more games that we've got to get to here. Um, Alabama, Ohio state and Oregon all beat the crap out of the other teams that I don't know how much there is to break down about those. Your trap game um, didn't do well, Ari. I gotta yeah, my you. trap game was wrong, but my lock <laughs> of the week was at halftime. <laughs> what was my lock of the week? Tell them. Uh, your lock of the week, Ari, was a outright underdog winner. 24, 24 and a half point, point underdog, underdog winner. New Mexico State goes into Auburn and wins by three touchdowns. That's a 45 point. Uh, is there any bets, Ari? You know more about this. Are there any bets where if you beat the spread by wild amounts that you can get more money. I think you just can lay bigger numbers for just alt lines. We were laying a ball. We were talking a lot yeah. about alt lines for Michigan earlier when, in the year. Not I so have much a buddy anymore. who, uh, I have a buddy that, uh, I can't remember. I get a lot of texts about gambling, but somebody texted me that they hit <laughs> Georgia minus 18 and a half, um, after they were down seven, nothing and got like two to two or three to one. But that was a savage play. Um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, like, yeah. that's how you, that's, I mean, if you ask the question, it's not something that you get a bonus, but you can get bigger yeah. lines for better odds. So, yeah, yeah that, I mean, I do feather in the cap. I think that was lock of the year, play of the year. But That was pretty know, good, Ari. We'll, pretty we'll, good. we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, we did touch a little bit on this here. Louisville beat uh, Miami in a pretty entertaining right about this game. game. The better team won. There was, it was weird. Miami was in the mix, but... Jeff Brom's first year at Louisville, taking his team to the ACC championship. We did discuss Louisville and their potential chances of maybe making a college football playoff case with a win um, over Florida State in the ACC championship game. Uh, The the waters are really muddy there. We'll see how it plays out. But good on Louisville for making it to Mm -hmm. Charlotte. That's going to be a spectacular game. And and certainly, I think the entire country is going to be watching because we're going to need context on how the CFP uh, pans out. Um, Iowa and Illinois, believe it or not, hit the under, and the game was 15-13. to Iowa has clinched a spot in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game and will face either Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, (laughs) They did it, man. They they did it all year, and they did it again. 
15 to what was it 15 13 yeah it's uh that's uh real something oklahoma keeps the big 12 championship hopes alive they beat byu 31 to 24 dylan gabriel left the game with a hip injury um but brent venable said after the game that he believes he'll be back pretty quick a short week for the sooners they play tcu on friday kansas state uh you watch that game at all yeah i missed a little bit of it but i came home and watched the rest of it uh Weird ball game, a lot of extra point shenanigans, uh, but they got that pick late uh, in the end zone. I mean, you know, I I don't know how Kansas, without Jason Bean, like hung in this game. I thought it was going to be this type of game if Bean maybe played, and I thought if he didn't play, K-State would win this by like four touchdowns. So shout out to Kansas, Lance Leipold, Andy Koldenicki. I didn't know if, I didn't know if Lance Leipold was like, Trying to send a bat signal down to AM or something, but he coached his ass off in this game. Dude, he, KU, man, every time they play, like, you're just like, listen, the scheme is fantastic. They don't have the dudes. They got better dudes than they've had. They don't have the dudes, but like, Leipold with like a top 10 roster. <sighs> I want to see it. I want to see it. Leipold, the top 10 roster would be fun to watch. Um, yes, it would. Okay. Here's another one. UCLA beat the crap. Oh my gosh. Out of USC. I don't know. I, oh all I want gosh. you to know is that Dan Mullen, and I don't know if producer Cam here <laughs> this, can put up uh the tweet, but Dan Mullen tweeted can, before we get into this, Ari, can I can I just t- can I preface this by saying coaches don't criticize coaches I know. hardly ever. I know. It doesn't really happen. And I, I don't know what the history is with Dan Mullen and Lincoln Riley or, or what the story is there. But Are Dan Mullen sure? has only been in media like a year. He's still very much a coach. He still has coach Dan Mullen in his tag. Maybe when Kirby Smart Dan ESPN. took a shot at him in Jacksonville when I was there and said that he didn't like to recruit. He's just like, all right, gloves off, everyone. Maybe. I've also seen a lot of Dan Mullen back to Mississippi State uh, wishful thinking from some people. So we'll see you know if he gets any looks here. But he tweeted... Are we sure they have the right coach on the hot seat in L.A.? Bill Plaschke says they Bill should Plaschke. both be. <laughs> you know, Bill Plaschke is probably a top five columnist in the history of what we do, right? I mean, he's earned that. Yeah, it's been around. I mean, he's there's not a lot like the concept of the city columnist is sort of going the way of the dodo bird these days. But he is Which one is of a the shame because those kind of all of our dream jobs when we were kids. Not mine, Ari. Not mine. What was I yours? Grew, I, what I, was yours? Basically, Wright Thompson, essentially. <laughs> and then, not unlike when you go to the NBA, you realize, oh, some of these, some of these guys are way more aliens. Than me. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know but what my like dream a, job was? Uh, I'm scared to know. Back in the good old days of journalism and Sports Illustrated. There was a pack of national writers, and Andy was one of them. Stewart mm-hmm. was one of them. Bruce was one of them. You know the pack of national writers when we were young beat writers that like all traveled to the same big game every week? Yeah, a little and bit. And mm-hmm. went, went to, you know, one was CBS, one was SI, one was ESPN, and they all kind of... I always wanted to be a national college football reporter that was in that pack. And I don't know if that, that job exists anymore, because like even the people who were in it before now don't really travel as much. But I always thought if I could be paid to just go cover the biggest story <laughs> game, uh, biggest story in the biggest game every week and write good stuff in the middle of the week, that would be it for me. And that job doesn't exist anymore. So 
were making it. Yeah. But let me let me tell you this. I read the Bill Plasky column. I am I showing? Am earlier, I throwing yeah. shade at the legend? Moderately, I I got thought like, does this man pay attention to college football very often? A few times no. when I was reading it. No, I, I didn't. I didn't love. I didn't love it. I I understand the notion that he has fallen flat on his face in year two. But like hot seat means like on the verge of firing and like you don't write that unless it's even a notion. You know what I mean? Like it's not even a thought process there. I was like, I just don't know if I'm buying this. That said, everybody can agree that USC has fallen flat on its face. That's that's not the, the issue here. The issue is whether or not USC yeah. is going to think about removing Lincoln Riley as their head coach. And I'm pretty confident in saying that's not the case. So um, yeah. what was your thought I on just, it? I, on the column or the state of USC? Both. I didn't think it could get this bad for USC. We well, been, I was we texting sniffed. Andy before today uh, during yeah. the day, and I asked you, I asked him, and I'll ask you: Has a coach ever gone from rock star, can't miss, hire to like perceived loser quicker? It happened fast. We sniffed these guys out in week zero, Ari. We sniffed them out. Well, we sniffed them I, out in week week twelve last year. They just didn't fix it. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, week zero when I said their their defense stinks. And they're going to lose multiple games again with you on the show. And you agreed. People were like, yes, obviously you don't watch football very often. They were rotating their players a lot. And I was like, God yeah. damn it. Are you yeah. watching the game? They can't they're protect their ass Caleb. Kicked. Like, I don't know what to tell you. They're playing San Jose State. They can't protect. They can't cover. I don't know what to tell you. So I here's the only thing that gives me concern, Ari. They are on track to what is that? What they're eight, seven and four. With Notre Dame, I don't know where that game is. With Notre Dame left seven and four, they've already lost four. That's crazy. All right, what are the odds they're better next year? I don't know how it gets worse, but um, it's not about getting worse. But the expectations will be lower. But like you're going into the Big Ten, you are losing a transcendent talent, number one pick, Caleb Williams. You've got a lot of weapons. Maybe you portal a QB. You, there's a road where you can do well, but like doing better than eight and four next year will not be the easiest thing in the world. So are people like giving up on Malachi Nelson? Is he like not going to be the guy next year? I don't know. Maybe you're like, portaling a QB. I mean, I guess Lincoln Riley can, but like USC's schedule next year. Do you know who they open with? I don't. LSU. Also breaking in a new quarterback. Well, Garrett Nussmeyer, but he's got... I'm just saying, they're playing LSU in Vegas next year on September 1st. Then they play Utah State off week. Then their first two games in the Big Ten are at Michigan, um, home against Wisconsin. Then two weeks later, they've got Penn State. Then three weeks later, they've got Washington. And then they have UCLA and Notre Dame. That is a... I got to pay Andy now. Like, there's no way they're going to make the playoff next year. Not even the 12th team. That's the funniest part about the uh, bet, Ari. Is that <laughs> going to make it the 12th team? Uh, I, I actually was with you, Ari. I thought it was a good it was a good bet on your on your part. I was a half and away from winning. That's the thing that's so funny. Like everybody yeah, will be like, were. everybody will be like, they didn't even make it in the 12th team in year three. You're an idiot. It's like, well, I mean, they were winning at they halftime not of, far a, of an one. entry they game last winning. year. Yes. So, um, you know, I thought it was a good play, but um, they are. I don't know who's going to hire as a coordinator. I don't know who's going to play quarterback. I don't know if I can trust their defense. Are they going to get a bunch of linemen? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of questions. I think too many questions surround USC for one offseason. 
Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I like this. I like Zach Arnett. I might call him personally. Yeah, I might give him a call. Oklahoma State was losing for a large portion of the game, and then they had another multi-touchdown performance from Ollie Gordon, and they beat Houston 43-30. to um, They kind of blew it last week, but I still think technically alive in the Big 12 race if they can figure out what the tiebreaker rule is. SMU scored 24 second-half points and a 38-34 win over Memphis. Uh, this was a pretty big game for uh, this conference's race. Mustangs and Tulane and UTSA are all tied at 7-0. and and Tulane and UTSA play in the regular season finale next week. Yeah. Don't. Brett Lashley, by the way, I think we mentioned this on Thursday. You're not hearing his name come up for a ton of jobs right now, but I wonder if it will before long. I'm just saying the American Conference, like, really, really good race. Three teams in that yeah. scenario uh, heading into the Look final weekend Ari. of November. Like, I, think I've, I, think I've, I think I've changed you, Ari. This is you're like Scrooge waking up on Christmas morning. I feel like I've, I feel like USC's lost five of, games by the way, not four. Oh, okay, I feel like I'm the ghost of Sunbelt past and America. Yeah, you're over here trying to jam Georgia down everybody's throat, and I'm trying to like get people to think outside the box. You know, it feels good to be like the villain. I mean, <laughs> what you gotta, a time you to be alive on their, to- on, on their toes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, how about nice my- win for your boy Jed Fish? Sorry. I'm just going to say it right now. Expand this playoff this year. Let's get these boys in there. They're playing well. They'll feel, everybody <laughs> they love everybody. It. They deserve it. <laughs> Is Jed Fish going to be the head coach of U of A next year? Uh, I would guess no. No. not if I had to pick. No. Uh, yes or no. But I actually think that he should be in discussion for coach of the year. Because what he Very took over was bare mix. bones there in Arizona. And for them to, what is this, five in a row now? Eight and three and six and two in the, in the Pac-12, five in a row. They're going to beat the crap out of ASU next week. They're going to finish nine and three, uh, two years after signing only one top 1,000 player in the entire recruiting class. I'm going to say that again. Kevin Sumlin's last recruiting class at Arizona had one top 1,000 player. Do you know how bad that is? I've never looked this up, but I guarantee you that it is one, it is either the only time that's ever happened to a Power 5 team or one of five instances. There's no way it happened more than five times. They my honored favorite, all their scholarships, and now they're nine and three. Are you know what my favorite uh recruiting malpractice uh, story of all time is. Hmm. I don't remember which year it was, but Derek Dooley at Tennessee once signed an entire recruiting class without an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Andy, Andy was obsessed with that, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad. It's bad. Clemson rushed for nearly 250 yards in a 31-20 win over North Carolina. Second win over a ranked team in the last three weeks. Uh, Notre Dame two weeks ago is Notre Dame still ranked, but hey, still. All right, what are, what are we doing with Clemson right now? Clemson is like very confounding about in a lot year? of ways. Well, but okay, but like Clemson does weird stuff where you know they lose to bad teams, and then you see a game like this or the Florida State game or the Notre Dame game, and you're like, oh, welcome back for a week, old Clemson, like team that just rips on top twenty five teams, and then. They lose more games. It's Clemson's in a weird spot because the talent is still there, and every now and then you see them like boss up on somebody, and they've still got four losses. You know, I will say this, Dave, and I don't know if you know this, but I think Clemson is the fourth most talented team in college football this year. So I think fifth, fifth. Uh, what they have done poorly is more head turning for me than what they do well. 
I agree, but they're a weird team. New Mexico State beat Auburn. Lock of the week was plus 24 and a half. Given out by yours truly. They went out right 31 to 10. And holy shit, that was bad. Jerry Kill. <laughs> Jerry yeah. Kill two, year, two years in a row absolutely demolishes Hugh Freeze. Um, Barry Odom and UNLV do the damn thing. <laughs> Jump up to first in the Mountain West Conference with a 31-27 win over Air Force. First nine win season since 1979. Uh, my wife is from Vegas, and I know a lot of friends who still live there who um, like are texting me like, UNLV has been asked my entire life what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? Ari, you know what happened? First of all, Barry Odom has a good plan. Sleeper to be a under-the-radar coaching candidate, Brennan Marion, OC. Yep. Don't be surprised okay. if he's a head coach uh, a month from now. Wisconsin takes home the Freedom Trophy in an overtime win over Nebraska 24-17. If you had Nebraska plus six, I'm really sorry about that. That stinks. Uh, These are the teams that are bowl eligible though, that got to bowls today, Ari. Yeah. You Did I not say bowl eligible, baby? Well, you noted that they're bowl eligible, but we're running down. And These I will are all say, bowl felt, eligible teams. It felt especially cruel that they denied... Nebraska not going to a bowl game since 2016 is low key one of the wildest stats in college football. I was did you watch the end of this game or were you too locked in yes. on Washington? No, I had them on like a fourth window. Rule didn't they, even like, try to win at the end no, of regulation. Like what were we doing goal. there? Yeah, they had now, timeouts. I will and, say I watched enough Chubba Purdy that oh boy. I it's I bad know, strategy. You're on the road, you have a lot it's of bad you strategy, have three but also Having watched it in context, it is it is defensible for reasons that are too mean to say out loud. <laughs> How about this? Northwestern beat Purdue twenty three to fifteen in the same week that David Braun was named the full time head coach. Considering everything that Northwestern happened at Northwestern during the offseason, that's a hell of a turnaround for a first year guy who I think by all accounts earned that job. So good for him. Yeah, good for Northwestern. Butch Jones uh, helped Arkansas State to a bowl. Eligible season for the first time since 2019 with a 77-31 ass-whooping of Texas State. Uh, Western Kentucky holds off Sam Houston State 28-23 to become bowl eligible. Southern Alabama topped Marshall 28-0. And David's preseason Big 12 South champion. Alabama. The Jag fans are going to yell at us. Our vi- <laughs> what did I say? Southern Alabama. Oh, that was that was my mistake. Um David's Big 12 preseason champions are bowl eligible now. 24-23 win over UCF. Heading to Austin to throw a wrench in the entire season next week, potentially. And then Boise State beat the crap out of Utah. State 45-10. And and Georgia Tech beat Syracuse 31-22. Dave, I'm going to pass it to you for high five for the group of five. The dream is dead. Uh, Shout out to, I believe it was Bill Connolly. I could be wrong. App State was the... Darling, 16 years ago, beating Michigan as an FCS team and winning a bunch of national championships. And they now deny James Madison the perfect season. Uh, with game day in tow, uh, incredible comeback for James Madison to force overtime. They converted a crazy fourth and 16, um, but James Madison loses on a relatively crazy play that was almost a touchback, but was a touchdown. Uh, so App State. Good win for them. Tough loss for James Madison. The national championship dream is dead, uh, and they will not be undefeated. Left up to Liberty now. Uh, am I, I'm forgetting somebody, aren't I? Tulane has a loss. 
Uh, but is Liberty the last G5 undefeated? I think it is, yes. I think that's right. UConn ends a four-game losing streak, beats Sacred Heart in your Sickos game. Sickos game. game. <laughs> 31-3. Army, 28 points in beating Coastal. That's impressive. Coastal's defense has been uh, pretty stingy. Uh, one went away from bowl eligibility. And Liberty, yes, shout-out to uh, producer Cam. The last unbeaten G5 team in the country. They beat the crap out of UMass. Kind of coasted in the second half. It was fine. Colorado State picks up win number five on the year. Same number of wins. Or, excuse me, one more win than Colorado. Uh, the most wins since 2017. They beat Nevada 30-20. to 20. Shout out to Jay Norvell. Getting it done. What a year for Jay Norvell. Right. Been, been a wild ride for our guy. Uh, Ari. You have a bad beat to tell us about today? Do I? Perhaps. If not, we need to look at our locks, our locks of the week. I did, I did pretty great this week. Okay. No bad beat. Um, Ari, we already hit on your lock. Well, I mean, Nebraska plus six State. was a terrible beat because if they would have missed That's a field bad. goal at the end of the, out of the game and <laughs> didn't go to overtime and then give yeah. up two third and ten conversions in overtime, it's, it's all coming back to me now. And if you've <laughs> so got you timeouts and you're beat. inside the 20... Maybe try to win the game, which is the entire point of playing. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Uh, shout out to my lock. So you are your lock of the week killed it. New Mexico State. My lock of the week was on track to kill it. And then it got a little nervy there late. I was laughing with Rex Road in the press box. Uh, I think they had there was 35 points in the first half from Utah and Arizona. It was like 28 in the first quarter. It was crazy. Uh, back and forth game. Utah. I mean, uh, Arizona's putting up a ton of points and then it got really slow and then it there's like two touchdowns in 30 seconds in the, in the uh, they ended up with like 60 total points so my lock of the week hit and max's lock of the week uh did the opposite of hitting utah state it was the furthest away like, from hitting as possible <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. utah state at home as a three and a half point dog shout out to max love you terrible lock of the week they lost i don't know what the final was it was like 45 to 10 it was bad it was bad Yep, and uh, I think that should do it, Dave. All right, just a reminder, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the live reaction show. This is always fun to kind of get our thoughts out there after all the games. Uh, But, of course, we get 24 hours to write some columns, to get a good night's sleep, and, of course, to listen to your voicemails and your thoughts, your feelings, your deepest, darkest secrets. Please leave a voicemail at 316-462-9852. Again, 316-462-9852 to be a part of Sunday sound off that goes at 6:30 central time on Sunday evenings. This is where we'll give more context to some of the things that we discussed um and of course give you the opportunity to react to things that you may have liked or disliked about our analysis on the reaction show. Again, we will be live 6:30 central, 7:30 eastern time on Sunday with Sunday sound off. Uh thank you all for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Be sure you're following the podcast wherever you listen to podcast so that you'll be notified when new episodes are up. If you're listening to this in podcast form, also be sure to watch us and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We will be live on Tuesday night after the college football playoff review. I think I will be on that show this week, replacing Nicole Auerbeck, who is famous and probably has something better to do. Um, And then, of course, (laughs) we'll have the pick show next Thursday, live reaction next Saturday after rivalry weekend, and and probably some live hits uh, after the Ohio State-Michigan game, no matter how that goes. Um, And then, of course, Sunday sound off on Sunday evening next week uh, during your holiday weekend. So thank you guys so much again for being here and subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe to the athletic, 
like, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever. Everything you can do to interact with the show is, is greatly appreciated. It helps us grow. And we will catch you guys on Sunday evening. Thank you again. And bring back the tournament.